0: This is Rumble with Michael Moore, and uh, we are at the end of February here. What do we have, about a day left? A day left, and I'm recording this in uh, New York City, and there has not been a stitch of snow. I mean, not a smidgen of snow. It was a year ago this, I believe a year ago this week, was the last time it snowed. What is that, 360 days of no snow? And now they're saying that tonight, here on Monday night, we're going to get maybe, maybe an inch of snow. Now, a lot of people uh, here in New York, which, you know, unlike where I'm from in Michigan, they don't like the snow that much. It's a a big pain in the butt, I guess, getting around. I don't know why, because they have the most incredible mass transit system here. Uh, Well, incredible as an incredibly great and also incredibly not great. But that's for another show. Maybe I just need a New York edition for a rumble here. Um, anyway, so we're going to get some snow, but I just, you know, not, it's been cold here. There, we've had a couple of really bad cold snaps where it's gotten down to zero and below zero. and The wind chill has been 10 below zero, but no snow, no snow. And yeah, people don't want to have to sludge through the snow and all of this, but I just, you know, every time somebody says to me, it's kind of cool though, that we haven't had to deal with snow this winter. I said, yeah, really? What would you say if all of a sudden at two in the morning the sun rose and it was bright and sunny outside, what would you do if that just suddenly happened in the middle of the night, one of these nights, and the sun was up in the sky, you'd freak out. I'd freak out. I've never stopped to wonder about like, actually, if an end of the world type event is going to be happening, what exactly would we do? Where would we go? You know, would you just make your peace with whoever and, you know, have one more pint of Ben and Jerry's and then just call it a life? I don't know. I don't know what the plan is when that happens, but I know that it is supposed to snow in the Great Lakes. And New York is a Great Lake state. It shares a lake with Michigan, even though most New Yorkers have no idea that that exists. We both sit on Lake Erie and we should be freaking out that there has been no snow here in New York City for a full year, none. Just like you'd freak out if the sun was up at two in the morning. But there's no freak out. There was a day... A couple weeks ago, I think it was almost, maybe it did hit 70 degrees, 70 degrees in February. It's not supposed to be 70 degrees in February. Everybody's like, oh, I'm so happy. Really? (laughs) What if you woke up and suddenly there was no water in the Hudson River? Oh, hey, we can walk to New Jersey now. No, you would not be happy. There's supposed to be water in that river. California blizzard warning this past week had a blizzard warning in LA County up in the higher elevations. Oh, they're so happy to see snow. No, you're not. That's why you moved to California. So you wouldn't have to look at snow. None of it. It's, it's not supposed to snow. But then there's all. Oh no, this is good. This is good. We got snow now. It'll melt. We'll, our reservoirs will will be only one eighth full now instead of empty. When do we actually hit the freak out buzzer here? I don't know. I know. I know I'm if you tune into this because I'm the man of answers, I don't a lot of this stuff I just I have no answer. I'm only laughing because I don't want to cry. And um you know I wrote a um a letter Kind of an open letter to Jimmy Carter here yesterday, and I'm going to post it here on my substack. If you get a chance to read that, I wanted to share it with you, and I want to encourage others to join in And before he leaves us. Maybe let him know how we feel about him. He has been much maligned over the years, but I write about a day and a night I actually spent with him in Boston back in 2004. I first met him actually, like meet him as like a citizen. You meet him, you know, back in, um, 1976. It was the night before he was elected and he decided to make Flint, Michigan his last stop on his campaign. So on Monday night, November 1st, 1976, uh, my sister and I and uh, a few others, we all went down to the IMA auditorium, got there early. I don't think he got there till like 10 PM and happened to come in right where we were and, got to shake his hand and thank him. I mean, we were all sort of looking forward. You have to understand, 1976, we had just lived through about 13 years from the assassination of John F. Kennedy in November of 63. The next year in August of 64, uh, Lyndon Johnson essentially declares war on Vietnam, which we've talked about here before on the podcast. So we're in Vietnam. Vietnam War, big kind of Really takes off, sadly, there in 64, the year after Kennedy's assassination. And then, then it just, just life just starts to get awful. The artistic response to it amongst citizens and the political response amongst young people was impressive and incredible. But during the late 60s and, of course, early 70s, so we had to live through then Lyndon Johnson who no matter whatever good he did, he'll always be remembered for invading Vietnam with our troops and costing the lives of 60,000 Americans and anywhere from two to four million Southeast Asians. They never have been able to get a true count when you count all of Vietnam and Cambodia and Laos. And then he, then we had to get through Nixon. We had to get through two terms of Nixon. The, his second term was shortened because they were going to impeach him. So he decided to cut and run before they held the vote, and he was gone in the summer of 74, and then the last two years of his term was filled out by uh, the vice president. He appointed Jerry Ford from Michigan. So now that takes us up to 1976, and it's an election between um, Jerry Ford, not the incumbent because he was never elected to the presidency, and Jimmy Carter, the governor of uh, Georgia, who nobody knew. And it was going to be a close, close election, and uh, we wanted to meet him. And I think there was a real hope amongst us at that time, especially young people, those of us who were young. This was going to be the end of the horror show of Johnson and Nixon, Vietnam, assassinations, civil rights, trying to get things passed. And and Carter represented a fresh way of looking at things and doing things. And he wasn't us. I mean, he wasn't uh, you know as far out on the left as those we were. But he was a good soul, and so I write in this Substack how the next time I got to meet him and spend time with him was at the Democratic Convention. He asked me to sit in his presidential box. I thought I would just write something up about it and send it. I'm, I'm sending it, but I don't want to bother him or his family. They, they've asked for privacy and private time here in his final days. And I guess I really wanted to share it with all of you. And and if you wanted to make comments on it, you, you can on the comments section. And, We'll pass that on to the people in the Carter family, especially a chance if they want to share it with him or show him or whatever, that he is surrounded by a lot of love and support. Anyways, look for that on my Substack on Monday. But for right now, I just I want to just talk to you about a few things, a couple of things that are going on, things that a lot of you've been writing me about. But maybe first what we'll do is we'll take just a minute here to to thank our underwriters for today's episode. First up here, a a huge thank you to Netflix and their very powerful, poignant, and now Oscar-nominated film, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I don't know if you've seen this yet. This is an amazing film. Guillermo del Toro, who's already an Oscar winner, is, of course, the visionary writer and director behind Pan's Labyrinth. And also the Oscar winner, The Shape of Water, from a couple years ago. So, Pinocchio now, this new one, co-written by del Toro and Patrick McHale. This emotional retelling of the classic tale is set in Italy during World War II, where Geppetto is grieving the loss of his son when Pinocchio is brought to life. The film explores the relationships between fathers and sons, coping with grief and loss through love, and above all, acceptance touching on the importance of remaining an individual in the face of fascism. This is what makes this movie just leaps and bounds above anything in the way that the story has been told in the past. Uh, In fact, Guillermo del Toro has said that, to me, it was important to show a world where everybody behaves like a puppet and obeys. And the puppet is the only disobedient one. This film is deeply moving. It's visually stunning. Variety called it, quote, an exquisite masterpiece. It has already won the Golden Globe and the Critics' Choice Award for Best Animated Film this year and is now in the running for Best Animated Feature at this coming month's Oscars. Do yourself a favor and watch Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio on Netflix now. And thank you, Netflix, once again, for supporting this podcast, supporting my voice, and bringing the world this incredible film, Pinocchio a film of acceptance and love. I'd also like to thank a longtime supporter of Rumble with Michael Moore, and that is Moink. Did you know that four companies in this country control 80% of the U.S. meat industry? Four big food conglomerates monopolizing and crushing the little guy. Capitalism at its finest. Well, for all those Rumble listeners who eat meat like me, you can help change that with Moink. Moink delivers delicious grass-fed beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door, and all of it sourced from independent family farms. I'm telling you, it is really a relief to know exactly where our food is coming from. Oftentimes, we don't know, but with Moink, you know their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and the meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk that you find in prepackaged meat in the supermarket aisle. So join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash rumble right now and listeners to this podcast get free filet mignon for a year. That's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste, but it's only for a limited time. So moinkbox.com, and let me spell that for you, moink is m o i n k moink, moink moinkbox.com slash rumble go there sign up these are good people moinkbox.com slash rumble and finally for this week's episode i would like to thank shopify once again rumble listeners have heard me thank shopify many times before uh, because they are another long time supporter of this podcast shopify is the commerce platform that helped me create the More Store. That's my online shop where um, I raise money for the causes I care about by selling ball caps and t-shirts and hoodies and whatever. And it's not just me. Shopify has helped millions of people around the world do this very thing. They've got all the tools you need to make selling online and in-person simple and straightforward. More than that, they offer 24-7 help, and an extensive business course library to empower you to succeed. So if you've got an idea to start your own shop, your own online store, or perhaps you're looking to grow an existing one, check out Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash rumble. And make sure rumble is in all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash rumble, all small letters, to take your business to the next level today. Shopify, that's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y, shopify.com slash rumble, and rumble's in all lowercase. Thank you, Shopify, for supporting this podcast and for supporting my voice. Well, the crazy continues, doesn't it? On so many levels here in the news the person, the forewoman of the grand jury down in Atlanta investigating Donald Trump trying to overthrow the uh, 2020 election. She went on TV this week to basically let people know that the news is coming. And actually, according to her, there's not going to be a lot of surprises because we already know if you have the president of the United States on tape, which we do, In a call where he didn't know he was being taped with the secretary of state, Republican secretary of state in Georgia. After the election, Trump lost Georgia by 11,780 votes. And he is on the phone telling the secretary of state to come up with 11,780 votes. I don't know what more proof you need than to actually have the criminal Tell you what he's trying to do and trying to coerce the Secretary of State in Georgia to stuff the ballot box, to pad the numbers. The news on this should come out anytime. And uh, obviously, it seems like Donald Trump finally is going to get his comeuppance. It doesn't mean that anything will ever happen to him. I'm never going to promise that. But he committed a huge felony. He violated his oath of office to the Constitution, and it sounded like, according to the uh, the chairwoman of the uh, grand jury, uh, heads are going to roll. You know, a lot of a lot of people and comedians, whatever, made fun of her this week because she was kind of just a down-home Southern Georgia girl type, and uh, she didn't you know, she didn't look very like she was very old. She might be a Gen Zer for all I know, um, but. You know, it was so not what you were expecting because we're so used to old white crusty men, as as the grand jury or the jury spokesman or whatever, and this was just like a normal person. Did anybody see? Did you guys see her on TV? And the other people they just made fun of her, like she just seemed like you know she just smoked a doobie and wanted to hold a press conference or something and or talk to a reporter. It just seemed to me like just a normal person got put on a grand jury and like with all the other people who essentially it sounds like have voted unanimously to indict up to, if not more than a dozen people. This is, um, well, this is very good news. So that was one of the highlights uh, of the week. And other news from Georgia, you had Marjorie Taylor Greene, again, on one of her rampages where she was suggesting an American divorce that the red states divorce from the blue states and we just each go our own ways. Now, as wonderful as that may sound, <laughs> because my friends, right? I mean, we've all sort of made up our minds by now that we are never going to live in Florida or Texas or Alabama or Mississippi or Tennessee, you know, but As I've warned you here in the past, and as we spent all this time with our Blue Dots and a Red Sea podcast series, change is afoot in these red states. Lots of Democratic candidates are getting elected. Ballot proposals are being put on the on the ballots. And we've seen some amazing thing happen in places like Kentucky and Kansas and uh, Texas even. So, you know, really want to write everybody off in those places. But her idea of us having some divorce, it's going to get harder and harder because there's so many growing blue towns and cities and areas in these red states. And they're really becoming purple and they're on their way to becoming blue. And that's what's ahead of us here in the 2020s. But isn't it, I mean, she took an oath again to be in Congress to follow the Constitution, and she's calling for essentially dissolving the government of the United States of America. And I know, I'm sure she has a lot of support for that. Thousands, if not millions, like that idea. That's why we always have to be on guard, that this kind of crap could happen at any time before we even know what's happening. I mean, just look at what Texas is trying to do with the abortion pill this week. They are hoping, and they've got this in front of a very conservative Trump judge, to make the abortion pill illegal. This is this, talk about the two-step pill that you know women have had the right to take since it was invented and approved by the FDA. So it's about 20, 23 years old, and it's actually become the number one abortion method. The number one abortion method now is not in operation. It's not going in to a clinic to have them you know, insert things in you and all this. It's just simply taking a pill or two. And what they're trying to do down in Texas is not only make that illegal for Texans, but to make it illegal for the whole country because you see there's no way to stop pills like that from crossing state lines. And they know that and they are hell-bent on making things as hard as possible for women to have control over their own bodies. So this is what's in front of us now another Texas jurisdiction that's going to try and control what all the rest of us think, do, whatever, just like they do with their textbooks down there with the Texas Board of Education. They get all the major publishers of textbooks in the country to follow them because obviously they've got probably the third largest school system statewide in the country. Probably, I'm guessing, after California, New York, or maybe even Florida. And so all the other states, they are able to censor history books other textbooks and the textbook publishers have to write the book the way they want it written. And they're hoping to do this with this abortion pill. If you haven't paid any attention to this or haven't heard about this, go online, Planned Parenthood or other reproductive rights organizations, check this out and let's all figure out what we've got to do to support these organizations to stop this, to fight it. Last poll they took this week 64% of the American public believe abortion should be legal in all or most cases. 64%, that's almost two thirds. That's what the country wants. It's a democracy, it's a free country. How can we be having to follow rules and legislation that the majority doesn't want? See, to stop this, this won't happen on its own. The other side, they're clever, they're funded. And they believe they're on a mission from God. And I'm telling you, I don't know if you've ever been on a mission from God, but if you have, you know that's a pretty powerful force, All right, I mean, those of us who are not on a mission from God, you know, we're on a mission from Amy Goodman. I, I mean, that's a, that's a fine person to be on a mission from, but I mean, it's it's it doesn't have the same wallop that if God is talking to you, if Amy Goodman's talking to you, I'm sorry. God bless her, but she's not God. For the people that believe in that God sends these messages out telling you what you have to do in order to get into heaven, you know, you may say you're on a mission from Rachel Meadow. Uh, great. Again, not the force of God. Great person, Rachel, not God. So what do we have what do we have to fire ourselves up and to get us into being believers in what we know the truth is, regarding science, regarding the equal rights for women and all that? What are we going to do, and what is going to motivate us to do it? Because the other side, they got the big guy upstairs who's talking directly to them. In one of the states, I forgot which one this week, they actually do want to, some of the legislator people, they want to make it a law that if you do perform an abortion or have an abortion, you are going to get the death penalty. Because nothing, nothing says the way to stop killing babies is to kill the adults who are going to kill the babies first. See, it's a preemptive strike. I'm not laughing. It's really crazy. Oh, February, February. I'm not going to miss you. March, not really looking forward to you either. But uh, I have been, I have been, people have suggested I start binging TV shows I'm not much of a binger on this, but I have looked around. I started watching a a couple things here. And I do understand the way they hook you at the end of one of these uh, episodes where you've got to stay up and watch the next half hour or hour of the next one because you don't know some god awful thing's going to happen here. So, what did I start watching last week? Oh, there's a Netflix uh, show called You. Just You. Y O U. And it centers around this guy, kind of a Dexter-like character where he just ends up killing people, but, you know, always for a good reason. It's quite compelling. It basically, it satirizes this sort of good guy defense. We well, you know, he's such a good guy. Oh, He's a good guy. That guy's a good guy. And so the good guy in this series, if you haven't seen it, it's like in its third or fourth season now. But I had not watched it, but... The good guy who's always looking out for women trying to protect women. And, and frankly, and probably half the people he kills are people that are doing bad things either to women or children or whatever. And so he sets himself up as the protector. And, and this satirizes this too. This is not a show that is not aware of the time in which we live. that you know it does not base itself on the fact that women are weak and, and defenseless and therefore they need this crazy guy. Who's trying to protect them? So I'm. So I'm. I'm already a a season or so into this. Into this one. Uh, There's a very funny, kind of smart, sweet comedy. Uh, One of the executive producers of it is Brett. Is it Brett? Brett Gold. Brett Goldstein. The you know the actor that's Ted Lasso. You know the guy that's always dropping the f bombs and swearing at kids and. uh, so he's one of the executive producers of this. It's called Shrinking, and it looks like it looks like some of the other Ted Lasso people are involved in it. It's on Apple TV. It stars Harrison Ford and uh, Jason Segel, and they are shrinks. Thus, the title Shrinking. And I don't want to tell you too much of it. It's it's just a half hour show. It's on every Friday night, and they're already I think five or six episodes into this first season right now, but you if you have Apple TV, if you can get it somewhere, it's smart, it's well done. It has a good message and a good strong kind of emotional point to it, and it's very funny. It's Jason Siegel, you know, forgetting Sarah Marshall, right? Harrison Ford whenever Harrison Ford does comedy. I love it when this last episode I saw Harrison Ford is getting stoned. And he's known as, of course, as one of the most famous stoners in Hollywood. But here he plays kind of a, a, kind of a straight laced, a little uptight doctor, psychologist. And so somebody gives him a couple of gummies. And you get to see the actor Harrison Ford, who is a stoner, playing a stoner. And you sit there wondering, God, did he get stoned to do the scene? But, you know, the really, great actors don't want to do that. They want to be in control of what the acting is. So they, they don't usually act. The ones I know, at least, the ones who are stoners, don't like to get stoned while they're acting. <laughs> it's pretty funny. You know, I've, I've shown this clip before, and i played it at least, when I won the Oscar back with uh, for Bowling for Columbine. And um <laughs> they're cutting away to audience members, you know, so there's, you know, I'm speaking, it's the fifth night of the Iraq war. So I'm speaking out against the war in the 45 seconds I have on the stage for my acceptance speech for winning the Oscar. And so some people start to boo me, some start to cheer. You see Martin Scorsese applauding me and you see Meryl Streep applauding me and a few others. And then you see Harrison Ford has got the biggest smile on his face, like he is so friggin' high and enjoying the cacophony of sounds all around him of people cheering, people booing, whatever. But anyways, this, it's, I like this. I like this uh, show, uh, Shrinking. You know, I mentioned here one of the underwriters for this episode is Netflix and their um, Pinocchio movie. Made by, you know, there's these three great Mexican directors. Uh, we've seen a lot of their films from uh, Gravity to uh, Birdman uh, and Pinocchio here this year. Del Toro and Uritu. They make such great movies. I love these guys. They're really, really incredible filmmakers. And this year too, so many films made by women. Uh, I have a theater uh, that I run, a nonprofit in Michigan. And uh, we're showing Women Talking this week. Women Talking is a film by Sarah Polly. And it's up for Best Picture uh, this year, actually. And um, again, very powerful film. Stories that don't get told, if they're just told by the same old white guys. I mean, not that the white guys can't tell a, a good story, but I'm just saying you only get a certain amount to amount certain kind of stories. But if we get to hear from our Mexican friends and if we get to hear from women and and, uh, gay and lesbian and trans and other people, we get other stories. And if you like stories, if you like to read stories, if you like to go to movies or whatever, you're always looking for something fresh and new. We're tired of the same old stuff. Maybe in the next week or two here, we'll talk about the Oscars that are coming up on March 12th. There are some good movies that got made this past year and i'm going to encourage you to to see some of them any way that you can sometimes it's hard these days a lot of movie theaters are closing or they don't want to show the kind of movie that is a little challenging because it's so good so i want to encourage you to accept the challenge and and watch some of these movies anyways if you have any ideas of tv stuff that's streaming or things that you think i would enjoy or maybe even binge on when I've got a Saturday afternoon. and I really don't want to think about Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> um, you know, send that along to me. Um, I'd like, I'd, I'm, I'm open to, to trying some new stuff. So, um, so that's it for what I wanted to say today and to uh, encourage you to get involved with any reproductive rights, stuff that's going on in your town, in your state. People on the other side of this, they are not going to give up. They are going to shut women down as hard and as much as they can. So that requires all of us, that would be the majority, the 64% that support abortion being legal. We are the majority. This is a democracy. Majority rule. And minority, the ones who don't like abortion, you have your rights too. You have the right to never have an abortion. Nobody, no government, nobody will ever force you to have an abortion. How about that? Pretty nice country, huh? That's the way it should be, right? No religion will ever force you to have an abortion. But now we've got the six Catholics on the Supreme Court that want to force you to have a baby. If you get pregnant, accident or no accident, you now are going to have that baby you're going to be forced into childbirth. That is crazy. That is really, I I even say in those words, it's like, what century am I in? So get involved in this. Find out who the local people are that are fighting the good fight on this and get involved. And let's see if we get some snow tonight. That'd be nice. Okay, my friends, thanks for uh, tuning in. To Rumble today, thanks to my uh, producer and editor, Angela Fargos, and to all of you. There's work ahead. In the meantime, let's find something we can all binge on. I'm Michael Moore, and this is Rumble.